Yeah, I know, Nozzle is a really weird title for an episode, but I swear, as you're listening, you're going to notice pretty quickly how there's just no other word more appropriate. Yup, Nozzle. So, what's it about? Well, there's weird self-soothing techniques on Pitney's part, of course. And then we talk about some recent mental health challenges and what we're doing to deal with them. Yay therapy and meds and being proactive and stuff. Oh, and we apologize for the inconsistent sound quality. Crappy California weather has resulted in Pitney occasionally being surrounded by fans the size of jet engines, apparently. happened at work a few days ago and all my co-workers thought I was insane because I was so delighted by it. Okay. And it triggered a memory um, of when I first moved to Austin and was mm-hmm. staying with you for those few yes. months in your apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it was is we have in the Starbucks kitchen at my work place. Yeah. We have a fruit fly infestation. Oh, how exciting. Um, which is I mean, that's normal for that sort of place, like whatever, right? Oh yeah. But, fruit flies were a very big thing when I lived in San Jose, because that was in the days of the Malathion spray. Oh, my God. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, you were here. Of course oh. I do. That was when I lived oh, there. Oh, my God. It was remember, the fruit fly scare. Yeah, the planes would go by with all of the, with the, the chemicals. And, oh, I thought it was fabulous. And they would tell everyone <laughs> what what nights they would be spraying, and you had to close up all your yeah, windows and cover your cars. Because they're spraying the malathion. Oh, I loved it. Oh, my God. I still fantasize about malathion to this day because of that. But anyway. So. so, so Such a weird thing to remember that the poison they were spraying was called malathion. I just, I will never forget that name. But the guy that came, he was like this little weird old man. He probably had to be in his 60s. And... He was just very methodical with his little nozzle going around okay. doing, you know, where the fruit flies were, going behind the refrigerators and behind the freezers. And and then yeah. he had this special thing. And, oh, this fascinated me. I could have watched him do this for five hours where he go and he sprayed this little foam in the drains that would foam up like... <sighs> And okay. it would fill the drains with these foam to kill. And I oh, ended the, they were like down in the U trap or something? They were in the, the, the traps flies? and yeah. Oh weird, okay. And I loved it and this this geeky little old man 
I was just like, I was fascinated. And I ended up talking to him about his methods and why they do the foam and all this and that for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Oh my God. And I remember my coworkers were laughing at me and I was like, but I love pest control. (laughs) (laughs) And they literally were laughing at me. And like for several hours afterwards, I have this one guy that I work with who I really actually really, really like. But every time he would look at me, he would start laughing because of the pest control thing, right? (laughs) Okay. And then, of course, me being me, when I got home, I was thinking about it. And then I realized, okay, so when that, those short few months that I was living with you in that apartment in Austin. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but twice... Two times, the maintenance guy came in and did routine roach control in the kitchen. Well, I don't remember, but they'd have to do that a lot, because that was a nasty apartment. Oh, yeah, but God, roaches, you know, those awful tree roaches are all over the fucking place in Austin. But yeah, but any man... Yeah, but we had we had the little, the little bitty roach oh, roaches. Oh, yes, we did. In the kitchen, yeah. But I remember he came in two times that I was there, and I was so fascinated, because he's come in with this canister and this little nozzle, and he goes, all around the the bases, you know, of the of the countertops. Oh god. And I could have watched him for six hours doing that and I would have been happy. Oh my god. No, I have I mean, I probably was at work. I'm guessing I was at work. And I, I don't, don't work. know why. And then I remember whenever we had the carpenter ants at my old house on Woodrow Street in Austin. Oh, God. We yeah. always had to have the... Because, you know, my windowsills are just being eaten alive because that house was like 80 yeah. years old. And it was like unsealed wood, just and open, exposed wood. And they would come wood. with these yep. little nozzles and they... And, and I don't know why, but that thrills me. That fascinates me. It makes me happy. And it's some weird thing that I th- I think about for comfort. And it makes me happy thinking of those nozzles going that what? are killing bad things. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Do you think it was a thing from your childhood? It like, has what? to be, but I'll be damned if I can remember. Because between my fucking weirdness... Yeah. And also all the fucking years of therapy that I've had. Yeah. I cannot think of anything, but it's just a bit. When I think about the roach guy in your apartment, it literally gives me like physical feelings of pleasure, like up my back watching him with the <laughs> nozzles. I can't even. Oh yes. And oh my God. <laughs> so here at home. I have a tree. Uh, I have two hummingbird feeders on this tree, right? Mm-hmm. They have become infested by ants. Right. And when the pest control guy comes, because we have a pest control guy that comes. Oh, we have a guy. Um, 
Actually, we have two different well, every teams two months. He comes every two months, and yeah. oh my god, it thrills me whenever he comes because I can watch him with his nozzles. But him treating that tray, oh my god, <laughs> it's like I I can even feel it. There's like a part in the back of my head. It's like this rush of pleasurable chemical when I see the little nozzle. <laughs> Isn't that fucking God. weird? <laughs> I mean, if I had no, if I had realized that you <laughs> love that so much, okay, I'm gonna tell you something. And when you were here, do you did you even realize that you were sleeping under a ceiling that was separating you from an attic that had had pest control guys go up there to put out like rat traps and to seal it up because we had had rodent activity. In our attic after the big freeze, after the big winter storm. Oh, see, like, no, that doesn't thrill me at all. That just grosses me out. That does not thrill me at all. But that's it's just control. There's something about You the, only like it if it's bugs. It's like the little nozzles and the little meticulous going around the nooks and crannies with the nozzles. I guess I've are never going around the it. base of the tree. It's weird, but it's a thing. It's a I've thing. Never, I've never watched the guy who treats the yard. Oh. I've never watched it. I can picture in my head the countertop at that apartment and the guy with his brass colored nozzle going like chick, 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 and then behind the canister and then chick, 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 and behind the canister. And behind it the oven? thrilled me. Like, I could have watched him do that for hours and hours. I know, it's weird. Like, what the fuck does it even mean? I mean, I don't think I've ever watched it happen, so I don't know what my reaction would be, but I, I've never wanted to watch either, so I think there I wouldn't be too excited. There is nothing more soothing than watching a little nozzle with insecticide foam filling a drain. Maybe I wonder if there's if there's like ASMR videos. I guarantee you it will thrill you to see that. I don't think it will. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what ASMR is, right? Yes, yes. So I wonder if maybe there are ASMR videos that are just a guy quietly walking around and Oh my god, that Spring. would be thrilling to me. It would it you would just go right to sleep. You would be you would be so happy and soothed you'd go right to sleep. And you know, speaking of pest control, what another sensuous pest control memory I have. <laughs> and I say sensuous, but not in a sexual way, but in like a soothing way. Right? Okay. No, I know. I this know. <laughs> when I was working Because at, that would be gross. When if it I wasn't. was working okay. at UT in the payroll office. Yeah. Um when I had Lindbergh. Yeah. Remembered, it was like constantly a flea battle over there. Oh, God. That house and that yard were... And it was yeah, constantly was a flea battles. And that was when the topicals first came out. The drops, the, the drops yeah, between the shoulder blades. Yeah, and that first thing. came yeah. out. And I remember there was like some... I don't remember her name, but it was some professor. And... 
I, she came in all the time, and I just become friendly with her. You know, I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were very friendly, right? Yeah. And I remember coming in from my lunch break, and she was standing in the lobby, and I was like, oh, hi, you know, Professor Smith, whatever the fuck her name was. How, yeah. you know, hi, how are you? Oh, how are you? And oh, how is your dog? Oh, he's fine. And so I had pictures of the dog on my desk, and you know. Right. And. And I was just like, oh, honey, you know, these fleas and blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, you know, there's this new thing, right, that can take care of that. And I remember, because back then was like the really beginning of like PC stuff where you didn't touch people and you didn't do this and, you know. And I remember she was like, well, there's this new thing that's come out. And I remember she really purposely put her index finger and her middle finger together and was very deliberately, you know, it's just this new thing. And you put a drop here and she touched the back of my neck and then she very purposely put her hand away and then she, and then you put a drop here and she touched the base of my back. And it was like so deliberately to not be a thing. To only just barely touch you. And I don't know why, but I think about this to this day, and it somehow <laughs> is, like, a pleasurable experience for me. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Okay. And so because was it, it was talking about flea control... control. Because it was it was a combination of a of a discussion of flea control, plus the very deliberate two finger touching on I the back of your neck. I think it was. It was so fucking weird, but I've never forgotten that. And in moments of despair, I think about that, and it soothes me. But yeah, that is a comforting thought for me. And is it is it the oh pest control? God. Is it the deliberately non-invasive touch? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I should talk to my therapist about it. We could have a whole (laughs) month's worth of sessions on pest control. saint of being afraid of insects. That would be Saint Gratus of Aosta. You can look him up. But we're about to get into some really good mental health stuff in a minute. So instead, I'd like to talk about Saint Dymphna, the patron saint of mental disorders, sleep disorders, neurological disorders, depression, anxiety, and some other unpleasant stuff that'll become more apparent as her story unfolds. Spoilers! And trigger warnings, I guess. See, when Dymphna was growing up in Ireland, 
her mother died, and her father, the king, kind of lost his royal marbles a bit. He got so messed up that when encouraged to marry again, he insisted that he would only marry a woman as beautiful as his beloved wife. Meanwhile, Dymphna had been a very religious child and had taken a vow of chastity at age 14 and, um, looked a lot like her mom. So her dad got really creepy. So creepy, in fact, that his frightened and inventive child got a priest and the court jester to help her run away to Antwerp. I mean, if I had a dime. Anyway, they ended up settling in this little Belgian town called Giel, where she and the priest set up a hospice for the poor and the sick, and then her gross perv father figured out where they were and showed up making his disgusting demands to return to Ireland with him and do wifely duties and stuff, and of course she refused. So her gross perv father drew his sword and chopped off her head. Fifteen years old, wouldn't bang her dad, so he killed her. And so, in addition to being the patron saint of all sorts of mental illnesses, like I mentioned before, she's also the patron of sexual assault victims, incest victims, and runaways. But one really cool thing about her is her legacy. In that town of Giel, a church honoring her had become so overrun with pilgrims coming to pray to her for intercession for their mental illnesses and psychiatric disorders that the townspeople decided to help out. For over 500 years, that town has been known for its citizens taking strangers into their homes treated as members of the host families, given work and becoming part of the community during their stay. Some may stay a few months, some a decade or two, and some the rest of their lives. In the 1930s, there were 4,000 of these guests housed with the townspeople of Giel while they received treatment. And the treatment was primarily kindness, while a lot of the rest of the world was putting their relatives into asylums and straitjackets, most of the pilgrims of St. Dymphna lived pretty damn well. It's quite a testament to how much good being treated decently and not wanting for food or shelter can do for your mental health. Okay, so, so you know... I have been going through a lot of personal issues. Oh, yeah. Dealing with, you know, living here with my much beloved mother, but also sometimes the bane of my existence. Uh huh. <laughs> I know you can relate, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I told you, you know, the shit hit the fan. Who was it, six weeks ago? Or four weeks ago? Oh, God, I don't, the, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, there was the whole 
you need to get out of here and blah, blah, right. blah. And it's like, oh, I can't. Anyway, just the same old shit. And it's just like over the goddamn air conditioning. Anyway, but. Of course. We worked all that shit out. But then so my solution was, I mean, originally I was just going to leave. Right. I totally had to plan. I was just going to fucking go. Right. Because I can't, I, I, I just don't know how much longer I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know? But then we had conversations, and we talked, and we had some compromises, and I was like, okay, but I, I have to get away from here for a while. I just, I have to go for a little bit. I, I, I can't do this, I'm gonna, or I'm going to go nuts, right? Right. So my solution was, originally, I was going to go to Colorado for a month, and then I was going to go to New Mexico for a few weeks to see... Um, von Lichtenstein in New Mexico. Right. So I talked to work and initially I was going to quit work and be rehired so I could have all that time. Yeah, but that was my first thought. Right. So I talked to work and they were like, oh, we'll totally rehire you, but it's going to be like, you know, substantially less to rehire me. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Yeah, that's so not what that can that I means do? that means no. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, so that's so I said, Well what about leave of absence? When could I take a leave of absence and how long could I take it for? So I want to take it for eight weeks. And they were like, Well, you can't do that because technically holiday season starts in October. And we don't allow that's true. Leave, leave of absence and other than an emergency or vacation time for more than like two days or something from October through January. Right. And I was like, okay, well let's just do it through September. That's right? true. Cause your store, that store, like even though it's officially Halloween season, <laughs> it is totally already Christmas there. Oh God. Yeah. I is absolutely Christmas there. Even though Halloween shit is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, okay, I can work with that. Let's do that. So anyway, you know, made these phone calls, called, you know, my friend in Colorado. Okay, this is what's going on. I called Von Lichtenstein. Not going to be able to come in October, but I will come to see you out there in the spring, right? So, okay, so that's taken care of. In the meantime, my mother... As the listeners have to know, because I talk about it all the time, but if they don't know, I live with my mother. She's 89 years old. She is almost completely deaf without her hearing aids. Mm -hmm. And with her top-of-the-line $8,000 hearing aid, she still can barely hear. Yep. What has happened now, her good hearing aid on her good side has failed. <laughs> yep. So she is <laughs> in despair, stressed out, oh, depressed. Yeah. Um, we're trying to get it, and they, she was calling. They weren't going to see her till the end of September. So I called them, and I raised a fuss. Right. You know, and I was like, she has been with you for almost 20 years, and... You better make an effort to see her because she just bought these hearing aids, you know, like last year. And right. her copay was like $6,000. And I was like, you better see her pretty damn pronto. <laughs> 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 
Because I was mad. And guess what? Oh, oh, we'll call you right back. Okay, that'll be damn. They call me back in 10 minutes. They're seeing at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. I love that. But in the meantime, it's probably going to take weeks to get a new set of hearing aids in because they have to order them, blah, 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 blah. So that going on, and she's been crying a lot. And, you know, my cousins were just here, and she's really depressed because they left. So now I'm feeling guilty about leaving for a month. Right, because you were fixing to leave, like, and like, I was right fixing at the beginning to leave of September. Wednesday. Like the beginning of September. Like first of I September. was going to leave like Wednesday or Thursday and come back like October 2nd or something. Yeah, you were going to leave was like the first of September and come back like the first of October. The plan. Yeah. I was so excited. I have money for it. I have an envelope of gas money, so it's no worry. I got my car. I mean, not fixed. There was nothing wrong with it, but I got it checked out and the oil changed. Right. The belt. You know what I mean. The oh, whole yeah. Thing. I was ready to drive to Colorado. But now with all of this going on and the tears and because I'm a codependent asshole, I've decided I'm not going to Colorado for a month, even though I desperately want to, because I can't do that with this hearing thing going on. Right. So what I am going to do for my mental health I have booked three four-day trips. Oh. Cool. So next week, I'm going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to that hotel in Felton, the old hotel with the beer garden and the bluegrass bar that's right next to the Redwood Park. Yes! Me and the dog are going to go spend four days there. Fantastic. The week after that, I got an Airbnb in San Francisco. Oh, my God. Me and the dog are going for four days. Oh, my God. And I bought tickets to see the Ramses exhibit at the De Young. Oh, my God. And then the week after that, I booked an Airbnb, and I'm going to stay four days in Guerneville at the Russian River, the town we used to have our river house at. Oh my god. Oh my god. So I'm not doing the whole month go living in the woods right? in the middle of nowhere for a month, which I was so excited about, but I just, I can't do that to her right now. I just can't. No matter how angry I am, no matter how much I need to get away, she's, I, I can't do that right now. But you're still getting time away from her in short bursts. Yeah, this is eight, nine, 12 days in a month that I will be gone. That's and you get help. to be with your puppy. Yeah, and that's going to help immensely. And I think it'll be good for her because she'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe it is kind of shitty with Pitney not here. Maybe I need to stop being so ridiculous about everything. Right, because her... Her saying, you need to get the hell out of my house, it's like, her. she suddenly realized what would happen if you got the hell out of her house. Her hearing aid broke, and then she found out what would happen, even if you were just gone for a month. What mm-hmm. if you were gone for a month and her hearing aid was broken? That's what happens, Pitney's mom. That's what life is like if you're not there. 
She so realized, anyways, oh yeah, yeah, she is dependent on you. So that's my solution. That's fantastic. And it's actually ending up, it's going to cost me a hell of a lot more to do this than it would be to drive to Colorado. Because I was going to drive to Colorado and I was going to work at my friend Bobby's grocery store for Right, a few you were going to have a job. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually going to cost me a hell of a lot more money, but... I think you'll have a lot more fun. But it'll be fun. I'll get away. For the next month, I'm on demand at work, which is, you know, you go onto the schedule and when there's shifts, you pick them up. Right. So I will work one or two days a week if I want. And then I'll be regular in October. So I work... um, So you're not taking the leave of absence. You're just working very minimal schedule. Yeah, so tomorrow tomorrow and Tuesday are my last two scheduled days until October. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's what I'm going to do. So totally different plan, but that's what I'm doing. That's terribly exciting. So yeah, and I was dying to tell you when we were talking on the phone earlier, but I wanted to tell you like lives because I wanted no, to know, you know what No, that's terribly I mean. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, and- I'm disappointed. I was actually really looking forward to going and living in the middle of fucking nowhere for four weeks. And being at like, you know, a place in Colorado at a higher elevation where the weather is nicer and whatever, that would be kind of nice too. Yeah, but it's but- just not, it's just not feasible right now. But it totally makes sense. I mean, I, honestly, I, I think I would have freaked out if you just left your mom there. I think I would have, I think I would have freaked out a bit. Like, I would have been like, so who did you set up to go be with your mom while you were gone? Like, I would have, like, you just left if you had just taken off. I think I would have been, like, really, really freaked out. Yeah, and I know, and she thinks she can live on her own again. Oh. She can't. She can't. Well, it's like my dad with his whole, with his whole, no, no, I can take care of myself. I can fix my own dinner. It's like, shut up, old man. You can't. You can't do anything yourself. I know. You can't take a shower. You can't even put your own teeth in. (laughs) It's like, Damn yeah, it, I mean, Dad, you, you know, my mom anything. is pretty independent as far as all of, you know, that goes. Yeah. But she can't hear, so that's, I kind of need to be here. Yeah. And, you know, and so the other compromise, anyway, so the big, for the listeners, without going into detail, the big issue here is the goddamn air conditioning. Oh. I cannot be in a house that's hot. And mom is old and she's always cold. We had air conditioning put in. Yeah, that house didn't have air conditioning until yeah. Pitney moved in. It was like, God damn it, ago. this house needs air conditioning. And <laughs> she won't let me run it. And it's things like I come home from work and it's literally 82 or 83 degrees in the house and she has a fit that I'm running it because, oh, it's so expensive. So anyway, after numerous fights about that, I finally took the bull by the horns and I was like, okay, fine. I am canceling your pg because I'm... a coast on everything because she can't talk on the phone so I'm on everything. Right. So I called. I took PG&E out of her name and put it in my name and I was like okay I'm paying PG&E now it's coming out of my checking account and you were to never talk about the air conditioning again. I love that so much. Because it's not about the money it's about control. 
Absolutely. And I took that control away from her. Because I swear to God. Because that's your the only thing I asked Your electric for. bill is lower than my electric bill. Your electric oh, yeah. bill is nothing. I mean, that is the <laughs> only thing I asked for, and I can't even have that. It's like I gave up my entire life to live here. Exactly. And I can't even have fucking that. Give me a break. So anyway, that's anyway. There's been a lot going on, and hopefully, it's like for it to be four degrees cooler in the house. You, you can. It's like all of that for it to be a little bit cooler in the house. Yeah, and so anyway, hopefully this these several weeks of mini trips will help my mental health because I've been like living on pills. Oh God. You know. Yeah. And that's what's going on with next month, the crazy next month. Oh my god. <laughs> movies are bombing all over the country. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. <coughs> I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Radio Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even freaking YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. Oh, I want to talk about pills. Oh, yes. So, here, okay, so here's the thing. So, like... This is like just just like a whole mental health extravaganza. So I spent a lot of years on Wellbutrin. And that mm-hmm. is some that is some powerful shit. That is some strong ass shit, Wellbutrin. And um like about half of the time that my mom was sick, I was on Wellbutrin. When my mom died, I was on Wellbutrin during that period where that year where I was in my severe depression, I was on Wellbutrin that whole time. Um, And then I got off of it because I was realizing that even though I was going through all that and, and things were really, really bad, there was a lot of like things like I remembered how certain things used to feel, but I wasn't feeling them. Uh And I was like... I, I started realizing it's like I'm feeling certain things, but what I'm mostly feeling is just numbness. Yeah, yeah. And so I decided I really wanted to get off of that shit. So yeah. I spent some time working on getting off of all of this other shit. And I recently got off of um, my other thing that I was on, which was um, a dopamine inhibitor, which is something... I mean, basically, a dopamine inhibitor is something that they give people who have addiction issues. 
Oh, Naltrexone, yeah. Naltrexone! I'm actually, I'm on that now. I'm I actually mean, Naltrexone is some good shit, but... Yeah, I'm on that now. Yeah, but... <laughs> Every but, night before bed. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I, that was something that I took, uh, I took at dinner time every night. Uh, partly because a lot of my impulse control issues happened sort of in, sort of in between, like, say, from, like, between five o'clock and bedtime. Mm-hmm. I get a I get a lot of that's like when like the little the little devil is on my shoulder kind of time, and that's when I have these you know oh just go oh just go ahead and just go ahead and take that oh just mm-hmm. go ahead and take some more of those pills oh just go ahead and eat that just go ahead oh oh go oh go drink that oh just go ahead and have a go go ahead and dr- and go ahead and make yourself a cocktail go ahead and do whatever because even though I I normally don't. But if I'm really fucked up, if my brain is fucked up, that's when the little voice starts telling me to yeah. go do shit. And it's like the naltrexone keeps me from having that because it's oh, the Oh yeah. And and because it's the you know, you'll feel better if you eat a donut. You'll feel better if you have another serving of that or whatever whatever it is. And I've been very good about, you know, just general things for quite a lot of years now. So I told myself, it's like, I don't think I need, it's like I'm having so many emotional problems that I don't think cutting down on the amount of dopamine in my system. If you don't feel happy anymore, can I have some more dopamine? Would that be okay? Can I not lessen the amount of dopamine in my system if I don't feel happy anymore. And sometimes you need to feel shit and cry it out, scream it out to process it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so I've been working on getting rid of all that. But recently my therapist, I mean, just because in like, say the last year, but but probably more the last six months more than anything. um, and, And lots, some of it has to do with like just the way the pandemic sort of kind of intensified a lot of shit but my therapist has uh started to be very blunt with me about a lot of things that she's observed and Mm -hmm. and, and that's her job yeah yeah and uh one and she she has she has told me that uh i i am i am now on track to uh i'm i'm now doing intake uh processes for a psychiatrist so i can get on new meds which uh-huh. is terribly exciting. What she told, what my therapist told me was that um, for like the last year or so, I've been watching the light go out in your eyes. Oh, she's, interesting. She's like, she's like, you don't care about anything anymore. She's like, I know you get really hyped up about things, and you get, you can get excited about stuff, and you mm-hmm. care about you. You talk like you care about things, but if I ask you. If I ask you questions, you don't care about anything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't. She's like, if I ask you about things that should be the kind of things that should be important to a person, you don't care. And I'm like, yeah. I've, yeah, and I've noticed, you know, because I've known you a long time. Yeah. And now that you, yeah, I've definitely noticed yeah. that. But I chalked it up to... I mean, not that I was trivializing it. No, of course not. Saying that, but I chalked it up to the stress of dealing with your sisters and your dad. Oh well, and that's actually one of the next things I was going to say was I was. She said something so amazing the other day, 
And, you know, you and I, we've always, whenever we talk about mental health stuff and we always say, you know, yay therapy, everyone should be in therapy, you know, therapy is so much more available to people than it used to be because online therapy is, is such a thing now and yeah. it's so accessible. If you can't get a therapist in your city, you can get a therapist in any city. Yeah. You can get a therapist anywhere you want. And you don't even have to look at your therapist. You can, you know, you can do it on the phone. You can do whatever. And yeah, I've had my therapist that I've had for two years now, her office is like five minutes away, but I've never met her in person. That's so astonishing <laughs> to me. That's so amazing. But like, so I was, I was talking about just sort of just general frustrations because there's just been a lot of shit lately. Like yeah. the last, the last couple of months in particular have been just insanely stressful. And a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I deal with is, you know, a, a lot of the questions that she and I work on with me is, I don't know if it's very hard for me to tell the difference between do I want to do something or do I have to do it? Am mm-hmm. I doing it because I want to or because I have to? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know the difference between everything is so much stuff has been drilled into me. Like it is your duty. It is your job. Yeah. Everything is my job. And. Oh my God. You know, it's funny. You know what I go through? It's like even things that I really want to do. Yeah. I end up not wanting to do them because I feel like I have to and that pisses me off so I just don't do them even if I really want to. If there, yeah, if there, there it's is because things, it's like this thing. Yeah, it's It's, so it's weird. kind of like if I like when I I was trying to explain to her like when I used to when I used to have people over. When I used to have big parties and have people over, the thought of doing that now the th- now granted some of that is the thought of having a lot of people in my house stresses me out, but it's, there's so much to do and it's, they have to be here at a certain time and I have to make all this food and I have to do all this stuff and it's work. It is mm-hmm. work to have fun. Oh yeah. And it, and, and when I think about it, it's like, it always was. So was I really, was I doing it because it was expected of me or was I doing it because I really wanted it? And but it's when like, we were younger, I, I don't know, because I remember having those huge parties and it was like weeks of work and preparation and planning. Absolutely. I loved it. Right. Now, though, oh, hell fucking no. I can barely handle, like, putting the speakers outside to have the neighbor come over. Well, see, know? like, and we used to talk about... We but used it's to because have... I'm coming from a place of depression now. Right, you know? and, like, we used to have no fucking money, but somehow we could somehow scrape together hundreds of dollars... For costumes and for props costume and, and props and food, and food yeah. for a party. <laughs> and lights and the shit, yes. And building a fucking stage in the mm-hmm. backyard to put on a drag show. I know. I kind of miss that. <laughs> oh, my God. But, oh, but, you know, but I want to say what my therapist said, though, because I am yeah, leading yeah, yeah, up yeah, to yeah. something. So I was talking about... Um, just, well, you know, there's a million things I'm, I've been pissed off at my sisters about. But what? But I was talking about, like, generally things like how I get mad at my sisters because they don't seem to have changed their life as much as I have, like, mm-hmm. in the pandemic. Like, like, one of my sisters doesn't seem 
she still goes to the fucking movies and she goes to restaurants all the time and she just she she goes to plays and shows and movies and restaurants and she's constantly and is this the one whose husband had covid what two or three times she's had it it's like oh, both of <laughs> she both of she yeah. both she mm-hmm. and her husband have had covid and and it's like but more than once right well one of one sister's husband has had covid a couple of times <laughs> The other one, she and her husband have had COVID, but that's okay. that's two separate situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, it makes me mad that like she will be out and about doing all this stuff, and then come down, and breathe on my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's like she's not taking it into consideration that she's caring for a 91 year old man. Yeah, and. I have to, like, I am never more than a day or two away from being at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. I am constantly right with, you know, I am always within this that window of yeah. I'm going to be right next to my dad. So I always am aware of that whenever I'm around people. And my therapist goes, fuck him. <laughs> And I just, it just startled me. And she goes, I mean, no offense, but fuck him. He's lived his life. So what if he gets sick? And I was like, what? And she, she goes, he wouldn't do that for you. And I was like. Uh, it's, it's sad, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true. She goes, your dad. Your dad has already demonstrated time and time again that he would not go out of his way to do anything to make sure that you're okay. Oh, God, no. Mm -mm. And she goes, but you make, you go, you do all of this to make sure he's okay and he doesn't even notice that you're doing it. So... You, it's, this is, this is the only life you're getting and you're not living it because you're worried about him. And I was like, shit. (laughs) I've never real, I've never thought about that, but. God damn it. No, I mean, because, you know, as intimately as I know you and your family, you know. I, but yeah, she's right. I never thought of it, but yeah, she's totally right. Yeah. I was literally at his house. My my entire family except me was in Florida over the weekend. What would they do if I went on that trip with them? No one would have been here to deal with all the shit and to have been at dad's house fixing his dinner so that when he arrived home and got home from the airport, his house was all ready for him. Yeah. I mean, I was, I even look at it this way. You so did not want to be in Florida with your dad and your no, sisters. I didn't want to. Oh I didn't. <laughs> I mean, if I could like teleport there and just see some people and teleport home and not have to deal yeah, with all yeah. that shit, that's different. But like, I, it's like the whole dealing with all of that. I can't. And also, this week at work has been the worst fucking week. I mean, I. It's like everything leading up to this i told them a million times it's like this it's like the worst possible timing 
Yeah. I literally have been doing the work of ten people for the last two months. And so, like, yeah, like, everything about this has been, like, all of this has been culminating in me filling out. And th- and this is all, the, you know, when you were talking about meds, I had to fill out, this just this weekend, the intake form, the intake questionnaire for my new psychiatrist. Oh. <laughs> uh, God, which, I didn't have to do one of those. Well, th- I mean, this is like when you have to answer the questions like, okay, I'm, wait, let, let, me op- let me open it up. Okay, so like when you have to do the, over the last two weeks, how often have you been bothered by the following problems? And, and then it's like, not at all, several days, more than half of the days, nearly every day. And they, they'll be like, Little interest or pleasure in doing things. Feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. Trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. And I gotta say, my my first instinct when I saw, you know, little interest or pleasure in doing things. My, because I'm me, mm-hmm. and, I, and it does make me wonder if this is true for everyone who fills out one of these things. My instinct was to just go... Oh, not at all. I'm fine. Just no, 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 I'm good. But then I had to stop myself and go, no, you're literally making an appointment with a psychiatrist because you're fucked up. You have to sit. You have to answer these questions. Yeah, I, you know, before it's not the same questions, but they're similar before every therapist appointment with Kaiser. Yeah. I get one of those questionnaires. For every appointment? For every appointment. And I have to fill it out. Oh, that's interesting. And I really do try to be as honest as I can. And it's interesting because she's noted that it's always different. That's... You know. That's interesting because that would... That makes me me feel like I want to... I almost want to keep a copy of this questionnaire and like make myself answer these questions once a week or something. Oh, you just, should. Just That'd be interesting. How I do. Yeah. The weirdest thing. And this might feel, this might feel like a little too weird to just say on my fucking podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. But so like, it's like I'm going down these questions and there was this one that I could not answer but I had to, I had to like write, write in an answer, which is not what she wanted because I could not check a box because it said feeling bad about yourself or that you are a failure or have let your family down. And I just sat there thinking. But those are all three different things. That is, first of all, that's three different things. Yeah. But I had two reactions simultaneously my brain said fuck that i don't feel any of that yeah but my body started to cry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i went oh that's weird and my my body just went oh that's 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 odd so i just sort of wrote a little note next to it going we may have to discuss this one. Because <laughs> uh, I have to see, like. That's awesome. So I have, you know, like I'm marking all the boxes and I just sort of wrote that next to it because I have to like scan this and send it back into her. Yeah, because it's like feeling bad about myself. Hmm. Often, but it depends on the day. Yeah, it's like 
Do I feel like a failure most of the time, but I really don't give a shit because all I've wanted to do in my whole life is be lazy, so I don't care that I'm a failure because that's what I've wanted. Have I let my family down? Kind of yes, kind of no. Yeah, it's not, they're all different, right? <laughs> well, and, and feeling like a failure, like, like, I don't even know what feel like a failure means. I don't, I fucking don't even know what that means. I don't even know, because I mean, I said that kind of tongue in cheek. It's like, I feel like a failure all the time because I've never amounted to anything, but I've never wanted to. I've just wanted to have a chill, hippie life, and that's what I've lived. Like, as, as an adult, <laughs> you know? I think, I think as a child, see, because there's, I mean, feel like a failure is like, I always had very mixed messages about whether or not I was a failure. Uh-huh. Because I always, I always got really good grades and I worked really hard to be like a really, really good kid. And I was trying really, really hard, except that I refused to clean my room, which was the one thing they really fucking wanted from me and I wouldn't do it. And I also realized at a very young age that I was never going to look the way they wanted me to look. Yeah. They, you know, I was always going to let them down in my appearance because I wasn't going to be pretty like my sisters. So fuck it. And so I just kind of decided that I was just going to look the way I was going to look and I I was just going to get by with however I looked. Yeah. Because I was always going to be a disappointment to them. But there wasn't anything I was going to do about it because I thought that I thought the shit, the kind of feedback that my dad would give me about you need to learn how to do your hair and wear makeup kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Because my dad had really weird ideas, like really weird ideas about what I should look like. And it's like, I mean, considering my older sister didn't get that kind of feedback. But she didn't date a guy until she was done with college, and then she married the first guy. The first guy. Oh, 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 what a a jam. What a jam. The first hideous, nasty guy who looked at her. Both of my sisters married the first guys who ever, they ever went on a date with. Oh, I know. I mean, which of all of us, which one of us turned out okay? I mean, I'm a fucking mess, but at least I didn't do that. You know? Oh God, I know. You I know mean, that just reminded me of you know my my father, my that asshole. dearly dearly beloved passed away father. Uh, that asshole. That asshole. Um, he used to try to bribe me. Oh my God! To go to the gym because he somehow thought that would make me less of a faggot. Because you were so skinny. Like I, because I was skinny up. and Nelly, and he used to try because he wanted me to be looked like a football jock or something. I don't think there's any amount of exercise that was going to make you look like a football jock. No, <laughs> but that's what he wanted. He wanted me to be like a football jock, and it really wasn't until wow, really the last couple years of his life when he was you know eighty eight years old that he even came to terms with it and was able to have. A same conversation with me about anything. When he finally realized this is this is the son I have, 
and I and he's not gonna turn into somebody else. I know, and it's like I remember about six months before he died, we were getting off the phone, and he said, "I love you. You know that, right?" God, that's oh so my crazy. God, you could have just slapped me with the board. I was so, but it was great. It was a beautiful moment. It's yeah, it's crazy. But before that, for we had a conversation about me being gay and stuff, and you know, and he was like, "Well, you're my son, and whatever you need to do, and blah blah blah." And, you know, and I didn't so say weird. anything, and I was like, I wish you could have said this, like, 35 years ago. It would have made my life a hell of a lot better. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, like 17-year-old you could have really used a little bit of that. <laughs> well, no, because back then he was too busy beating me up. Exactly. Oh, my God. You know, beating oh. me up and calling me a fucking skirt. Exactly. That was his term. <laughs> exactly. Uh, God bless him. God, you know, bless his heart. Bless his little, bless his little heart. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone loves stickers! Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you! That just triggered a memory. You know what else I remember regarding this? Oh, no. We've talked about this on the show before. When I remember when I was in grammar school, how the nurse used to come in twice a year with the little sticks to give us all lice tests. I, yeah, I don't have any lice test memories, but... That, that was that the was most soothing pleasurable thing to me and sometimes I still think about those lice tests. Yeah, I don't have any. And isn't that weird? I just remember like the stick going (laughs) in and the moving of the hair and the little stick. It's like, oh no, everything's okay. There's nothing there. Oh my god. I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about this because god damn it, it's going to be fascinating. No, I never did have lice. Well, not head lice anyway. I I was just going (laughs) to say.